on today's episode of Out of Office Bros. We're discussing the Broncos salary cap gymnastics, the way too early see buff predictions, including Coach Primes and Buffs basketball. This is Out of Office Bros. Let's hit it. Ladies, gentlemen, and Ooblers, welcome to episode 48 of Out of Office Bros. It is your boy D-Train along with my co-host, Mr. Scotty L. How are you doing today, pal? Well, D-Train, I am currently sitting in an airport hotel located in Texas. Normally, I would say the great state, but I don't know my feelings on Texas. Whataburger's pretty dope. Other things about Texas, not so dope. But we fuck it, we ride. My my life motto: fuck it, we ride. So here we are. Yeah, love it. Let's get into it. Yeah, absolutely, man. We kind of got got a lot to talk about, even though it's a slow week in sports. You know, we have this gap week in between the Super Bowl and um, and the, the the skills challenge and this Pro Bowl kind of thing that they have going on. So really not a lot to talk about in the world of football, but there still kind of is. One of the things that I wanted to discuss is the Broncos salary cap gymnastics that they'll have to do. So we're going to be diving into this a little bit more um, on our episode next Thursday episode or next Friday, excuse me, episode 50. But I kind of wanted to explain the salary cap, how that number happens, why teams have to not go above the salary cap. So the Denver Broncos are currently $27 million over the salary cap heading into this offseason, which leaves the team in to kind of to make some tough decisions when it comes to restructuring deals or trading players you you have to be under the specific salary cap every single team does uh different from baseball because baseball there is none so that's why there's the same teams that keep making the playoffs every single year because they can pay for certain players to be there um so the reason I call it salary cap gymnastics is, is that you really do have to go through a lot of hoops and hurdles to be able to bring your team under the salary cap. So the way the way that it kind of works is, is that there are simple restructures and maximum restructures. Mm -hmm. Simple restructures are things where the say the Broncos can take um, a payment for a player and convert it into a signing bonus that is then prorated into the cap over the course of the contract. So for example, some a player's $4 million salary could be converted into a $3 million signing bonus that would then be prorated to the salary cap as a $1 million hit over the next three years. Yeah. On I a mean... maximum re uh, sorry, I just, on a maximum restructure, cap hits are prorated into the future by either giving the player an extension or by adding voided years to a contract. Here's where it could get crazy is, is that we say we're $27.5 million over the cap. Denver could save almost $49 million in cap space this year just through simple restructures. Yes, and a lot of things will have to happen in order for that to happen but it is very possible that we can we can create some cap space creatively for ourselves here but it the broncos are in an unenviable unenviable i'm from yep. Greeley. i'm sorry to our listeners well district six is not the best education no offense to any teachers i doubt they're listening but it, it's not a great situation for the Denver Broncos right now. It, it really isn't. Even if we get creative, you know, that creates us more cap space, but not enough to get us where we need to be, in my opinion. And I'll let you break down as to why. But I, you and I were texting back and forth today about some UFAs that we have coming up which is unrestricted free agents. We don't own their rights. We can't, we can't negotiate as freely with them. We get first crack at them, but 
the way the NFL works versus, you know, an NBA or an NHL, especially in the NBA or the MLB, where you look at there's a luxury tax and you can go over the cap. The NFL is a hard cap. And I think that's where the Broncos get in trouble. But I'll let you dive in a little bit deeper. Sure. Um, I mean, ultimately, that the, the way the way that you make this happen is that you have to look at who your biggest earners are for the season and whether or not they are living up to what that cap space is. Um, right now, we have 10 players that are taking up 76% of our salary cap. The types of players that that includes are Russell Wilson, Garrett Bowles, Zach Allen, Justin Simmons. It, you know, you kind of look at it that way. But then you look at um, you, you some of the players that just haven't aren't producers. We've got Tim Patrick, who has been injured, who's the seventh highest paid player on our team, uh, according to the cap. Um, but there's basically like there's basically two ways that you're allowed to get under the cap that's by trading players or restructuring contracts as i said uh let's look at mike mcglinchy's contract for example mike mcglinchy i think played well enough that he is a serviceable right tackle in this league so you might as well keep him on the roster he has four years remaining on his deal and in 2024 his salary is scheduled to be 15 million dollars if they agree to a pretty simple restructure here, they could reduce his salary from that $15 million to the veteran, the veteran minimum salary of one and a half million and convert the rest to a bonus. Yeah. Uh, through a signing bonus, which is great. A lot of teams do that. He still gets, he still gets his money. He, he still, it's still what was agreed that he's still getting paid. And that's why having rich owners matters. Mm-hmm. Um, not to say that not to say that every NFL owner isn't rich, but having the richest owner in the NFL makes it a lot easier to restructure these deals because they can pay this money up front. Um, that would that would take uh, that fifteen million dollars and reduce his cap hit to four point eight seven five million. So it would be the $1.5 million salary or the $1.5 million salary and then one-fourth of the $13.5 million because it's spread out over the rest of that four-year contract. Yeah, but where that makes it hard is should the Broncos decide to go full rebuild and tank? Uh-huh. That's just – that becomes a dead money hit. It does. Because a team does. cannot absorb that. You know, if we were to trade, in this example, Mike McGlinchey to like a Super Bowl contender that wants to share up their well, rights. Well, how about, how about we talk about um, Randy Gregory is the perfect example here since we traded him yes. this season. Yeah. Well, we, we release him. That was just a straight up dead cap hit. I don't think he got picked up. You can correct me if I'm wrong here. I thought he was playing for the 49ers. Was he? I'll have to look that I up. Thought so. um, I don't know. Randy Gregory was a fucking locker room camp. <laughs> so glad he but, was gone. But basically, he had a $7.1 million salary. And since he's no longer on the team, that is dead money. $7.1 yes, million dollars leading into this season. We have to eat it. We, we did trade Randy Gregory, you are correct, to the San Francisco 49ers. We didn't get much in return. Um, mm -hmm. It was great to get him out of our locker room. We've already talked about that. Also, I figured out why Randy Gregory was toxic for this organization. Just on a quick Google search. I should have done this before. Yeah. My bad, Oobler. <laughs> you want to know why? D-Train. Go ahead. You know me well enough. You know where my allegiances lie because they lie with yours. Do you know where Randy Gregory went to college and play college football nebraska yeah he's a fucking husker man <laughs> he, he's a husker of course he was a problem the there is one reputable husker and that is andy janovich jan pipe <laughs> love the jan pipe but if we had 22 else, janos we'd be all right <clears throat> 
Oh my god, could you imagine a roster of 22 Janos? The <laughs> dog. That dude. You always see that like Instagram meme of like an x-ray of a chest and it's just a pit bull right in the lung area. Mm-hmm. That was Andy Janovich. Fun fact. Yeah. That was actually Janos, <laughs> Denver Broncos physical. But yeah, Randy Gregory was toxic, um, but he's a great example of this where we still took on a great dead cap hit from his contract because we did trade him for so little and we retained so much of his salary that if we were to do something similar with like a Mike McGlinchey in this example, it's not great for our cap situation moving forward. Right. You're right. And even though we traded him, it doesn't matter because Denver's still responsible for that dead cap hit because they're the ones who had paid him. Yeah. earlier so that's that's kind that's also why you know you don't see a ton of trades at the deadline in the nfl is because of these dead cap hits that are that are just different than other leagues yeah the nfl operates in a very different way from basically every other pro league i mean the mlb pays a luxury tax the nba will pay a luxury tax the nfl or the nhl is more in line with the nfl in terms of a hard cap but they're still it's a similar sort of gymnastics that you can do in the NHL to remain under that cap. And it's just, it's a very unique situation because also the contracts in the NHL, when you look at it, aren't nearly as lucrative for the player side as they are in the NFL. Mm -hmm. So while the cap is lower, the contract implications and the contract terms are a lot lower in the NHL. So when we're talking about the gymnastics that the Broncos are going to have to do in order to free up the cap to make this roster a contender, as we're going to get more into it, we're going to talk about the unrestricted free agents. We're going to talk about the highest paid players. It's a lot more difficult for the Denver Broncos to be competitor than, say, the Colorado Avalanche if, you know, God forbid, Nathan McKinnon goes out, McCarr goes out, and suddenly – we're we're not in the situation we're in on that side right so it, right. it's it's just a lot different and man the broncos dug we, we dug a hole we dug a hole for ourselves yeah. let's call it what it is yeah and and a lot of it really just kind of has to do with like not all that many players at the end of the day it's just like it's mm-hmm. it's when you it's when you look at how they structured some of the deals randy gregory is again the perfect example here where there were they left three seasons of a signing bonus of six million dollars to be accounted for so that's six million of the 7.1 million dollar dead cap that we have to hit because they just didn't pay it right (laughs) because he's no longer on the team but you still have to eat it as part of that salary cap uh the other one and and I and I think we'll get more into the undrafted free agents and the restricted free or sorry the restricted free agents versus the unrestricted free agents uh, next Thursday on episode fifty about of Office Bros. But the what we can talk about here I think is can the Broncos cut Russell Wilson? The the I mean and- that's the multi million dollar question at the end of the day, right? Exactly. Exactly. And there's two, the, the answer is yes to those Broncos fans out there. They can, but there's only two paths kind of down that, that this can really go. One is to release him in the next two months. And the other is to release him after two more seasons. Yeah. And I think the big question for us as Bronco fans and that I would be asking it for whoever manages our cap over there is what do you want to do? Because this cap hit is so significant. I mean, we'll, we'll dive more into this in 50, but as a quick overview of what his cap hit is, if we cut him in the next two months, 24, it's 34 and a half, 34, 35.4 million, give or take. And then in 25, it's almost $50 million of cap hit. Yeah. Whereas if we keep him for two more seasons, his cap hit 
is the same in 24, which is 34, 35.4. And then in 25, it's 55.4. But then our cap hit gets significantly less moving into 26. So it's really a matter of when do we want to take the big hit? When do we want to, yeah, when do we want to eat it? Yeah. And I think, you know, basically we just, we, we can move on at this point and you, we've all seen it where it's like, we made a mistake. We've seen it in our, in our professional careers where it's like, man, I, I fucked up in hiring this guy. Or in this case, we messed up big in trading and signing extension for this guy and you just eat it. Or do you hope it gets better? Which I don't think, you know, Sean Payton, who candidly is the end all be all. We, we'd like to think it's George Payton. It's not. It's Sean. Does Sean Payton have the belief in himself that he can fix Russell Wilson? Right. And I, to kind of sum that all up, the Broncos won't have it, won't save any salary cap this season if they move on from Russ, but they will save a ton of money starting in 2025 over in the 20, following yeah. three seasons. Yeah, twenty five. They save about about six million, and then twenty six is where it really has the big impact. Because then it's eighteen you know, million, and then twelve million. So call it thirty seven million that you save yeah. starting in twenty twenty five. Yeah, versus what we'd save by just cutting bait, which is basically the rest of the contract. You right. know, you you hit on the eighteen point four and the twelve point eight for 26 and 27 and then he's off the books entirely in 28 if we hold on to him if we don't he's off the books in 26 but man that's a i, I think the bigger it's question tough two years yeah it's gonna be tough two years regardless who, who be, who's your quarterback right starting that like starting next season if we cut bait now because i don't want to ride with jared stidham as a fan, I, I can't get behind that. No. Nope. But if we hold on to Russ for two years, then we're just screwing ourselves further with the salary cap. We we hurt ourselves in a big way. And it doesn't help that Sean Payton, as I've said on this podcast before, it doesn't seem like he likes the idea of Russell Wilson being the quarterback to run his offense. And that's where it really screws us. And I think all this goes back, honestly, to the to the Nathaniel Hackett hire. Mm-hmm. I, I will continue to blame Nathaniel Hackett. I hate that man. He is not as bad as Josh McDaniels, but he's like very, very, very close in my Broncos fandom. At least Josh McDaniels lasted a full season. Yeah, Nathaniel Hackett was god-awful. He was so bad, dude. Like, I, I'm trying to think of a darker era, and the only one would be maybe when we drafted your boy, Paxton, who popped up on my Twitter it, line for some reason. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pop. I'm going to fly down to Texas and kick your ass. Do it, bro. I'm right here. <laughs> I am right here. But uh, In their own no, state. So- I think I think that we'll we'll definitely be diving into this a lot more next Thursday, um, where we're really going to be focusing on the Broncos. So, you know, we'll we'll kind of leave it there. And I and I kind of want I kind of want Ooblers to start thinking about like what would if you were the owner or if you were the coach of this team, how do you set yourself up for success in the future? Is it by cutting bait and basically taking the hit for the next two years or is it keeping the guy because he is a serviceable quarterback at the very least you can't you can't not say that about russ and 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 try to build off of that and then cut him when the salary cap won't be as big of a hit yeah and i mean you know statistically one one thing just to continue your point of oopler's thinking about it russ statistically was not that bad he was actually pretty darn good this season to quote coach Mm -hmm. Brown, he was pretty darn good you and i defended russ on this podcast we also went at russ on this podcast it just depended on the point of the season 
I implore Ublers to go into this with an open mind and not with any preconceived notions of whether you think Russ wasn't the issue or Russ was the issue. I implore Mm -hmm. our listeners to really dive into their own fandom of the Denver Broncos on this because there's no right answer. There's no wrong answer here. It's just a matter of when do you want that cap hit to really come into effect? Yep. And where do you want this franchise in three, four years? Like that, that is the core question because I think we know what the next few years are going to look like, whether we keep Russ or we don't keep Russ. It's that third year and that fourth year, where do we land? And that's my, that is the, that is the sticking point of this conversation. That is where we really have to think about it. And that's going to be the big question that ownership and Sean Payton and to a much lesser extent, because like I've said, George Payton really isn't the GM anymore. It's Sean. That's where we have to kind of crawl into inside their minds and think as though we were them. Yeah. And it's, and it's hard because we don't know, we don't know as much as, as we would like to, because we haven't had these guys around here for very long. George Payton's been here for three years. Sean Payton's been here for one. So we haven't seen how they've operated as part of the Broncos franchise as of yet. All we could do is look at their past history. And obviously with Sean, he he had Drew Brees. He didn't have to think about the quarterback position. Yeah, and here's the other thing is, this is a very interesting quarterback free agency coming up not this summer but next and including a very big connection to george payton himself and kirk cousins that deal in minnesota ends this coming year yeah where do we go i mean i i'm of the belief that we should draft a quarterback Mm -hmm. but we like the, we've talked about with the abs with goaltenders, they haven't been great at drafting goaltenders. Broncos have been terrible. And I mean terrible at drafting quarterbacks. Our most success, successful drafted quarterback is probably Jay Cuddy. Smoking Jay himself. Yeah. That That's yeah. not a strong Cause, track record. Because we didn't draft Elway, technically. Technically, we didn't. We also did not obviously draft Peyton Manning. We didn't draft Russ. We didn't draft Kyle Orton. We didn't draft Jake the Snake Plumber. Craig Morton, I think we drafted. I I I would have to go back and check. But, I mean, God, everyone else has been, all of our best quarterbacks have been traded. They were a trade for, which we thought we were getting with Russ. So... Mm -hmm. You know, I, I don't know what that is. Like at some point you gotta hit on a quarterback. We've talked about this with the yeah, boss where yeah. it's like where it's like, man, we we are quarterback away and we hadn't had a quarterback really since Bobby Pesavino or Cordell Stewart. It's the same thing with the Broncos. Like the buffs have just been more painfully obvious because the Broncos have had elite defense to cover up a lot of those words or elite players at the playmaker positions you know, where you could get by with a game manager, which is easier to do in the NFL. But we're, we're in that scenario again. We're in that situation again. And it yeah. sucks. I'm so yeah. sick of it. I just want to draft a quarterback that can be here for 15 years. Well, and I just, again, just want to get the Ubler's minds turned in here because we're going to be discussing that and more on next Friday's episode of Out of Office Bros with our, with our panel of Broncos fans. Uh, so speaking of the Buffs, man, Colorado Buffalo's football schedule came out this week. You and I Ooh. and the rest of the boys have been discussing this. A couple of uh, road trips have been brought into uh, the an idea or two of uh, being able to go watch our Buffs at, at some away games. But uh, yeah, man, uh, on uh, two episodes ago on the pod, we had talked about like, oh man, Jesus, it looks like we're going to have a ton of home games and then three away games. This did get shuffled, as you said, uh, where, where it's definitely not going to be that way. Uh, the, the first three games were set. We already talked about those. I think we can skip over those. Um, but then our first in-conference game, Baylor Bears coming to Folsom Field. 
Yeah, I uh, real quick, I do want to hit on the out of conference, the non-con, because sure. Coach Prime was on with, I want to say it was like Stephen A. Smith, and it, he was on with his boys, right? Mm-hmm. And he was talking about the schedule on schedule release day. And he fired a shot across the bow. I'm, I'm sure you saw this, but for our Ooblers who didn't, he he said, I wish we opened with Colorado State over yeah. North Dakota State. If I am a CSU fan, I am taking tremendous offense to that. Because what Coach Prime is saying... Shake it in my boots. What Coach Prime is saying is I would rather play Mountain West Conference, a group of five, G5 school, over an FCS school. Yeah. That is a shot. He knew exactly what he's doing because I think we're past the point. We've gotten to know Coach Prime well enough as Buffs fans that he is very intentional with what he says and how he says it and what he does. Mm -hmm. That was a pointed shot at Colorado State, meaning you were our warm-up game. We expect to beat you. We expect to beat you down. In my eyes, this is what he's saying. I thought that was, that was, while it was small, it was minute in the term of the grand landscape of college football. That's a moment for Colorado, and that's a moment in Coach Prime that we already know as Buffs fans. You and I are repping Colorado right now. You're wearing the Buffs hat. You're wearing the Chip Golfing hat. I'm wearing a Colorado Dry Fit. We know that Colorado State gets up for this game arguably more than any other game. Yeah. Coach Prime provided Bolton Borb material here. And if I'm Jiffy Lube J, Grease Monkey J, I'm putting that in in the locker room out there for fun. Yeah, I wanted your thoughts on yeah. this. No, it, you're you're absolutely right. It Coach Prime, I think, doesn't get enough credit for how intelligent and uh, studious and Calculated. tactical. Yeah, that he is Ooh. with these choices. I like that. Tactical. Tactical. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Um, they were just training with but, the Marines. That works. Right. And he he definitely, with those comments, was saying, I would rather play them first. Bas- basically saying that he thinks that North Dakota State may be more competitive than Colorado State is this next football season. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, the early lines are already out for North Dakota State. It's seven and a half. Which is not a lot when you're thinking of a Power 5 school playing an FCS school. It's not. Yeah, I mean, North Dakota State's just different, though, man. Like They are. They are different. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's different if we're talking about UNC as an example who is right. that same level, or if we were playing like the Idaho Vandals or the Idaho State Tigers, like that is very different. But North Dakota State has upset teams. And I think that obviously Prime's a historian of the game. He understands that. And I think he also understands the rivalry that is the, well, the quote unquote rivalry that is the Rocky Mountain Showdown and the history behind that where Colorado has a massive lead a massive lead in that all-time series. He knows the little brother, big brother mentality there. Yeah. it's That was a fascinating moment in this offseason. So I just want to hit on that really quick because I don't think the North Dakota State game is going to be a walk in the park. I think that the Buffs win. No. I think the Buffs win comfortably. I think we cover. But it, it was fascinating to see him basically lay down the gauntlet against Colorado State as they are a third game of the season. We still have to play North Dakota State and Nebraska ahead of Colorado State when we travel to Fort Fun. And I think that's a road game 
you know, I, I don't want to get too far ahead for the out of office bros world, but I could see you and I both in the stands up at Fort Fun. Yes. Cheering on our Colorado Buffaloes. Yeah. I, I, that's, I, I, I've talked about it with people in my office. I'm, I'm going to try to get a group together to go. Yeah. And I mean, that stadium, it's going to become a de facto home game. As hard as the Rams are going to try to keep the, keep the black and gold out, like the energy and the excitement around coach prime has just seeped into the state, into the state of yeah. Colorado so deep right now. I mean, think about it today. We announced our spring game. That was headlines for the local news in Colorado. Like I'm, I'm down in Texas, but I still follow like, you know, nine news. I still follow, you know, Fox 13 and CBS four in Colorado. Every single one of their Twitter accounts put out the news about our spring game date, the black and gold game, because it is that big. It is that impactful. The, the buff pride just runs so deep through the state of Colorado because we have connected ourselves with Coach Prime. The, I think that stadium, even if they do their best, they're, they're going to have a black and gold presence. Well, and this game just has... 3,000 fans. It's going to be bigger. This game just has so much history and, and gravitas, especially for those of us that grew up in the state of Colorado. The first matchup between these two teams was in 1893 yeah like this this is huge and 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 the buffs do they're dominating the the win loss it's 68 wins 22 losses and two ties in 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 all of those years um that's 92 games i mean it's a it's a lot it's a lot of football that have been played between these two schools and this I think because of what happened uh, September 16th of this year, of 2023, I should say, <laughs> um, <laughs> it reinvigorated this rivalry because we, we, we really haven't had it be that close of a game or like or anything going to double overtime. Definitely not when I was in school. I don't. No. I think there were gap years when you were in school, right? Where that where we didn't there was play that. One, there was one gap year, yeah. Right. So, so to have this rivalry kind of back and then for coach prime to say these kinds of things heading into this season, they're going to book this game out for the next 10 years. Yeah. And it, we're, we're heading into a, and it's good for both schools. I will argue that point. I don't think it's good for Colorado. I think it's great for Colorado state. I don't think it's good for Colorado, but you know, you and I grew up with this rivalry when it really, really meant something. We had, you know, when we were little, we had Joel Klatt with the lightning bolt throw, and he he got in the end zone after a tremendous comeback by the University of Colorado. We had Lawrence Vickers, the iconic, iconic video of him just truck sticking a dude on the R stick in Madden, <laughs> throwing a ram down in the end zone. And then we, we also dealt with Bradley Van Pelt. Like we, we had to deal with that on our side and Bradley Van Pelt was a damn good college quarterback. He was, yeah. he, he was like, there are iconic moments in this rivalry. Like you mentioned that in the grand scheme of like in-state rivalries in college football, this one is grossly underrated and prime recognizes that. Like we, we are so lucky as Buffs fans to have this man as our head coach and stewarding our program because he, he takes the time to understand our traditions. He will never fully get them because he's not a Coloradan. He doesn't, he didn't grow up here. He doesn't understand our hatred of Nebraska fully. He doesn't understand the impact of Colorado, Colorado state for the actual Coloradan, Colorado natives here. But he's trying. Yeah. And that's more than I can say for, you know, someone like Mel Tucker who came in and he, his heart was never got in out. It. Yeah. Yeah. His heart was never in it. Like Mike Sanford might have understood it a little bit better, the OC on Carl Durrell staff, but 
he prime is bought in. And I think that's the most exciting part about this whole thing for Buffs fan is he understands the hatred or he's trying at least to understand the hatred of Nebraska and you beat little brother. He understands the history behind those two rivalry games that we're going to be playing next year. And I wouldn't be shocked if he understands like the history between Colorado and Kansas state as we move back to the big 12 or Colorado and Oklahoma state as we move back to the big 12. It, it can't be understated as we look at the rest of the schedule and you wanted to start off Baylor Baylor's in the doldrums, but we have played them before. We have a history with Baylor. Mm-hmm. And I also want to say, I think that is a lock. I think that is a yeah. buff stub. Well, let's dive into the schedule here a little bit. Uh, give our way too early season predictions. And then I also, don't let me forget, I wanted to talk about what Coach Prime said uh, one, after the schedule came out. Uh, so, yeah, with Baylor, we do we have played 16 games total against the uh, against Baylor Bears. Go ahead. I'm, excuse me. I was going to say, before we get it too far deep into it, looking at our non-con schedule, which is North oh. Dakota State at home, Nebraska on the road, Colorado State on the road, which is going to be a de facto home game. Where do you have us coming out before we give our prediction on Big 12 slate? What do you have our record at? 3-0. I have us 3-0 as well. I think Nebraska is our toughest game, and I still think we win that one probably by two touchdowns. I called it last podcast, Travis Hunter, episode 47, but Oogler's market, Travis Hunter with multiple picks. I said three on the podcast. It could be two. Travis Hunter picks off Dylan Rayola. Rayola, however you say his. He picks him off multiple times. Calling it out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think we do it at three and zero. But yeah, so Baylor. Um, like you said, this team has been in the doldrums lately. The last time we played Baylor was 2010, uh, my freshman year. <laughs> and I actually, I actually went to this game and, and I remember it was a very close football game. We ended up losing 25 to 31. And, um, I, I don't know. I did, I remember, I remember at the time being in the stadium and just remember like thinking like this team fucking stinks <laughs> <laughs> because we did. Um, yeah. Was that RG three or Bryce or Bryce Petty? That was RG three. That was RG three. Okay. So RG3 was electric as a college quarterback. Um, yeah. So I'll, I'll cut the buff some slack on that. Um, I think this is a win. You know, they come into Folsom. We're opening Big 12 play at Folsom. I, I'm right there with you. I think it's a win. But God damn, is it fun to have some, like, history with these teams versus the Pac-12 where we had virtually no history. I'm going to yeah. keep saying that throughout throughout our schedule predictions, but – yeah, Baylor, A, I don't know how they have a football program given what came out during the Art Bryles era, era of Baylor football because it was awful. Like, the, the shit that happened within that athletics department and specifically with the football program, I don't know how they have it. I I just wanted to mention RG – I just wanted to mention RG three stats for that game. Um, yeah, I remember. I remember thinking, like, man, this kid is good. Uh, ran the ball fifteen times for one hundred and thirty-seven yards. Uh, completed Lord. twenty-two of twenty-seven passes for two hundred and thirty-four yards. Uh, one touchdown and then a two-point conversion run in. Yeah, he was real good. He was yeah. real good in college. I loved RG three. I loved him. It's too bad that a. Uh... Who was his coach in Jay Gruden in Washington? Yeah, Jay Gruden in Washington. Yeah. Which their Twitter beef like last week or two weeks ago was phenomenal. It was amazing. But RG3 was absolutely electric in college. So I can cut the buffs and slack. He was a Heisman Trophy winner. He was the number two pick in the NFL draft. (laughs) Like, dude was great. Dude was an unbelievable prospect. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah. I, I know uh, Batemo, as I like to refer to him on this podcast, the Ginger Snap. Um, I'm sure he has very strong thoughts on Baylor still having a football program, but I, I don't know how they do. And, you know, I don't feel bad that they're in the doldrums, and Waco, Texas is also an awful city. I can tell you that firsthand. It is a yeah. terrible place. So. Yeah. 
I, I like the buffs in this game. I I think we, we win this one handily. Yeah, I think we do too. Uh, the next game, we travel to Orlando, Florida to take on UCF. Um, in the I bounce house. Think, yeah, I don't think we've ever played UCF. I would be stunned if we have, just given how new the university is, how new the football program is. Yeah. Um, it is young in the landscape of college athletics. They've gotten some good recruits. They're in a very fertile recruiting ground. I still like the buffs in this game. You know, Prime's going home to Florida. I think we have something like 12 to 15 Florida players, like Florida boys as Prime calls them. I think they're going to want to show out and show up for this game. They may press a little bit in the first half. I think this is one of those games where you see guys trying to do a little too much. Mm-hmm. I think they settle in and they get a dub in the fun house, but they did have a couple of the best schedule release videos. I know I sent them both to you and Ethan. Those schedule yeah. release videos were chef's kiss. Yeah. They were beautiful. They were awesome. They were awesome. Uh, then Kansas State comes to Folsom, Colorado, a program that we definitely have history with. Colorado is ahead in the all time matchups for 45 to 20. Yeah, uh, and homecoming one, game and a tie. There, that is our homecoming game. Um, brazen move to set this as the homecoming game is, you know, Kansas State is a they they've been a damn good uh, Big Twelve program. The last you know what years. I know I know that all of these times are to be announced of when you know when these games are going to be played. This is a prime matchup for an eight p.m. kickoff. Yeah, unfortunately, for especially especially ticket, it being our homecoming. Unfortunately, for season ticket members like myself, especially with the Pac-12 uh, dying, where we're not going to have eight PM kickoffs. Sorry, seven, six. No, it'll be eight. It'll be fucking eight. I already know it. Yeah, which means yeah. I'll be getting home at two AM. Right, which is awful. Um, <laughs> no, this is this one is going to be a great college football game. I have a feeling because Kansas State. They play your brand of football, man. They're a defensive team. They love to run the ball. Um, what's interesting about them heading in next season is they did lose their quarterback, Will Howard. He's going to Ohio State. They lost Deuce McAllister. He's out of eligibility. He's going on to the NFL. And they lost their offensive coordinator, Colin Klein, Loveland's own Colin Klein. Yeah. It, it's going to be very interesting. Um, I do think the Buffs get a dub here. I think it is going to be a hotly contested game. I could see a line of like an early line. We're, once again, we're, we're so far ahead because there's still the spring portal window. There's still spring ball to come on. If the rosters stand as they stand right now, I see a line of like Buffs minus two and a half, Buffs minus three and a half. Um, and I think that's a very good line just as it stands right now. Yeah, but the Buffs will wait for that one, I think. That, that, that one's a draw for me. I'm going to have to wait to see how the rosters end up shaking out. Uh, then we travel to Tucson, take on a fellow Big 12 joiner, the University of Arizona. Yeah, um, Cats have had quite the offseason here. They, Jesus. They lose Jed Fish, their head coach, to Washington, which I think is a great hire for the University of Washington. However, he does not bring no Fafita or Trayvon McMillan with him. Mm-hmm. Um, most of that offense returns. What's interesting is they did hire Kevin Sumlin as their defensive coordinator, who was on staff last year. And yet the defense has transferred out at a higher at a much higher rate than the offense. And the Big 12 has never been known for defense, never will be known for defense. Well, I guess early 2000s it might have been. But nowadays, modern marriage college football for us has not been known for defense. Um, they're they're going to have some struggles. And I, I'm, I do question Brett Brennan. I think he is a good coach, but I think he's going to have an interesting adjustment at the Power 5 level. Luckily, he does have, as it stands right now, a great quarterback and a great receiver. I, I like the buffs in this game, actually. This was one that so you, I think is going to be so close you, again. 
you have us at seven and oh. Yeah. I'm very confident with how this roster is trending. Right now, I see our only weak spot as linebacker on this roster, inside backer and specifically. But our offensive line is improved. I really think that we have a potential number one overall pick at quarterback. I think getting Alton McCaskill back where he's going to be fully healthy is big. I think having Travis Hunter is a game changer in itself. Our receiver room, I think, has actually gotten better even with having to replace Zay Weaver. And I I think our secondary is going to be one of the best in college football, period. With Cormani, with Travis, with the Oklahoma State transfer that we got, with Shiloh, Trevor Woods, Cameron Silman Craig, all returning at the safety spot, with our defensive line improving. Although there's an interesting situation with Bishop Thomas. We don't really know if he's still on the roster or not. I think overall, this version of the Colorado Buffaloes is the best we have seen on the field in a very long time, arguably since 2016, when we had an entire secondary that ended up playing in the NFL. That is how much I believe in this roster. And we had a fifth-year quarterback in Sefo Lufau that year. I love Sefo. I am the biggest Sefo guy you will possibly ever meet outside of him or his family. But Shador is a different level of quarterback that we have not had at the University of Colorado in a very, very long time. And he seems like he is on an absolute mission this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, family weekend, Cincinnati Bearcats come to Folsom. We have played the Cincinnati Bearcats a whopping total of one time. September 16th, 1972, and the Buffs won the game 56-14. to 14. Yeah, we move on to 2-0 with a probably similar score. I'll call it now. <laughs> okay. Uh, then we go to, uh, Lubbock, Texas to take on Texas tech. Uh, let's see. So then we move on to Texas tech at Lubbock, right? We, yeah, we, yep. And we have played Texas tech a total of 10 times and the record is even at five and five. Interesting. Okay. Um, I like the buffs in this game again. We're on a heater right now. Want to know what's crazy? Want to know what's crazy about this five and five record? Hmm. Each team is four and one at home. Ooh, that changes the dynamic a little bit. It does. Um, Texas Tech is a decent team. They're going to be decent next year. I could see this as the game that we finally lose one. I really could, um, because. Weird things happen in Lubbock. It's a terrible town in the middle of bumfuck Texas. Texas. (laughs) Bumfuck Texas. Not just, not like, you know, the metro areas that are like Dallas, Houston, San Antonio, Austin, which Austin and San Antonio are very close, like Dallas, Fort Worth close. So I'm not sure I really want to count that. Um, Lubbock is like in the middle of nowhere, West Texas. And it's... I want to say like a seven hour drive from Denver. It's not bad. Like maybe that's one we look at. Although I don't really want to go to Lubbock. The only benefit there is Whataburger, but we can go visit Cole in Colorado Springs and be fine. I could see us dropping that game. I could see that being our first loss. I like the buffs because I'm just a Colt like follower. I could see us dropping that game though. So let's call it a loss. Let's just call it an L for my end. Then Utah comes to town, and we are on a seven-game losing streak to the University of Utah. Yeah, um, we haven't won this game since you and I graduated. I think the last time we won was 2016, the oh. year of the rise. Yep. Um, Cam oh, and we lost, we lost all four years that I was in school. Yeah, we didn't win a game. I don't think we were even competitive while I was in school. 
with with Utah. They're really good. Kyle Whittingham actually, is one of my actually, favorite coaches. Psych. Psych. We won my first year on the team, on the chip team. Oh, good for you. I didn't see a win against you at all. <laughs> um, Cam Rising coming back. That's a big lift for the University of Utah. I could see I could see them winning this game as it stands right now. Utah has gotten a couple of big transfers. They are exceedingly well coached with Kyle Whittingham. I know you and I are both Whittingham guys. He's kind of like the Dan Campbell of college football, just a hard-nosed football guy. He just, pl- just plays my kind of football, man. He runs the ball, beats you in the trenches, time of possession. And has a, and, then, and then always has a good enough quarterback to get it the job done. Yeah, and Cam Rising is that guy. So yep, 100%. let's chalk that up as an uh, – then we travel to Lawrence, Kansas. Big Not rivalry here, man. Not Lawrence. What did I say? It is going to be played at Arrowhead in Kansas City. Oh, that is right. That's right. I saw that news. Oh, my God. Yeah, which, uh, by the way, I have a little hookup for. So, uh, Ooblers, that could be our second vlog if we – if we go to Lincoln and then we go up to go out to Kansas City. Although Kansas City in late November sounds absolutely miserable. It's, yeah, November 23rd. Good day. It's D-Train's yeah. brother's birthday. Yeah, little uh little D-Train, my my best little friend. Lo- my best locomotive. friend. Ma- baby locomotive. <laughs> he uh, it, it is his birthday, and hopefully the Buffs will be bringing that in with a win. Um, the Jayhawks are they they've got it rolling. They have great coaching. They have very stable quarterback play now, and they've been getting some talent to come out to Lawrence. And I I could see this being a big game that we potentially lose. I see this being a primetime game because it is being played at Arrowhead. It is. Uh, the Buffs with, with Coach Prime on an NFL field and Shador Sanders on an NFL field. I think the Buffs do win this game, but it is going to be a nail-biter. Yeah. Then we wrap up our conference schedule with Oklahoma State coming to Folsom. A lot of history here, too. A ton of it. What a great game. What a yeah. As a college football fan, as someone who loves the University of Colorado, who loved old Big 12 play, this, I could not have asked for anything better. We're obviously losing Bedlam, which is Oklahoma versus Oklahoma State, with Oklahoma moving to the SEC. Oklahoma State, I think, is such a great rival for Colorado as we move into this new era of the Big 12 with Mike Gundy versus Deion Sanders, two exceedingly different styles and people. I love this. I love this. I love this. I love this. I could see this being an L. I could see this being a dub. I don't even want to predict it right now. I could see us at 10 and two or nine and three. Either way, love this game. I do too. I do too. Uh, Wanted to talk about what coach prime predicted. Um, So like Scotty L said, he was on a podcast or on a show earlier with Stephen a, I can't remember who the other guy was, but he had said last year we were seven points away from seven to eight more wins. Uh, We just didn't know how to win. We got our butts kicked twice by two very good football teams, but several of those games we could have won. Um, we definitely could have been a bold team and we made some noise, but now it's time to make sounds. Um, and he said that he honestly feels that the team has fulfilled all the needs that they had on both the offensive and defensive side of the ball. Um, and he predicted, he predicted Colorado making the college football playoff next football season. I love it. I love it. What is on the wall behind his desk? The quote, 
don't let my confidence offend you or something along those lines. Yeah. <sighs> Coach Prime. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you once again I, for coming to the University of Colorado. My God. I Here's the thing is he's the kind of guy that will just speak it into existence. And he's got the talent on this roster to do so with both of his sons, with Travis Hunter, his adopted son, basically. Thank you. Because I, I'm sitting here and it's like, you know, all coaches talk about we're, we want to go out, we're going to win a lot of ball games. Like Carl Durrell talked about it and we saw that when Mike McIntyre, his first couple of years, saw it, talked about it. We saw how that went. Deion Sanders is the first coach, I believe, when he says this. Mm -hmm. We are lucky as Buffs fans to have someone that – he also on that same show talked about how much he loves living in Colorado, how he is embracing the community, how the community is embracing him. We're in a different era of college football and of Colorado football in particular that you and I have talked about ad nauseum over the last year since we started this podcast. And I am so incredibly thankful <laughs> that yeah. we have Deion Sanders, the GOAT, prime time himself, ushering us through this era, even if I don't think he's leaving soon based off everything he said in the media. And he's someone that does not mince words. He is someone that does not throw up the smoke screen. We, we should be thanking the football gods because though they are real. The football gods are real. We should be thanking them that he and Rick collided and gave us this new era of Colorado football. Yes. Yes. Well, we'll be thanking them later. Hopefully that happens uh, real quick because I can tell that our servers are dropping. I'm not 100% sure what's happening here. Uh, having a little bit of technical difficulty, but real quick, uh, Colorado Buffaloes men's and women's basketball have huge games coming up this weekend. Uh, the men's team takes on the University of Utah in Utah on Saturday at 3 p.m. Um, I, I, I think the Buffs win this one. Uh, mm -hmm. On the men's side, I, I just think our talent is better than Utah. I mean, Utah's a good a good team, but I just think that I think we come out on top on this one. Going to be a close game, but we do come out on top. Yeah, agree with you. Um, just today, KJ Simpson was named to the top twenty players for um, basically the basketball equivalent of the Heisman. So he's having a tremendous season. We've talked about KJ. We've talked about Jalen Shroud and the guard play at Colorado on the basketball side, both on the men's and women's um, KJ is special. He, he falls in line with that great guard play that we've seen under tab Boyle, whether that was Spencer Dinwiddie or, you know, McKinley, Wright the fourth, or now KJ, he falls in line yeah. with that where he is just an excellent, excellent point guard that is grossly underrated. When you look at his draft position or Derek white for that matter, and I think the Buffs get it up here. I, I think KJ and Cody and Tristan overpower the Utah youth. Yep, agreed. And then our women's team uh, going on the road to take on the Washington schools. Our number six ranked Colorado Buffaloes taken on the Washington State Cougars today, 8 p.m. Uh, that's a dub. This, this one's easy. Yeah, I think, uh, I think the Buffs ladies get two dubs on the road. Um, Jalen Schrod continues yeah. her outstanding play. Um, Q plays incredible. And now we've got Von Lay really coming on late in the season. I think that's a recipe for some big dubs. And I think the buffs are going to come out firing because they did drop from three to six, which I mistakenly predicted on the last episode that the buffs would stay steady at three. Top three. I think the buffs come yeah. out and get two big dubs and continue to rise once again in the rankings to be once again, a top four. Team. Yeah. 
hundred percent. Uh, and then they, yeah, they do take on the university of Washington, which you just, uh, clearly called a dub. So everybody, thank you so much for giving us another listen on out of office bros. We'll be out of office again next Tuesday and in your ear holes for immediate assistance. Please follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Spotify, and anywhere that you get your podcasts. Please be sure to like comment, subscribe, and tell all your friends best the out of office bros. Scoo buffs and boycott opening day. That's right.